You're never gonna believe what happened to me this week. I got this letter, postmarked 2017, from my dad, who died that same year, three months after this was postmarked. I opened it for the first time this week. Hey, I'm getting ahead of myself, but welcome again to Door Creek Church Online. My name's Mark, really glad that you're with us. And can I just say a huge shout out to all of you who are living like Jesus, hands open, sharing, generous. Man, it's been so encouraging. 90,000 meals to the kids in Haiti and the villages of Ranje, 250 families through our partner schools right here. We just talked to Moses in Rwanda. We're gonna be able to send some food and some seed because right now the parents and families and the farmers and the villages that we're supporting with those pastors of the 70 churches there in the region of Ngoma, well, they're having to choose. Am I gonna feed my kid or I'm gonna buy seed and plant the crops? And you know what's happening. They're buying food with the little that they have. And so we're gonna send some money so that they can get food and plant their crops at the same time. Thanks. Thanks for being part of God's work in this place. Thanks for your generous support. The giving's been strong. We're a little off, but it's been strong. A lot of you shifted your giving online. That's amazing, right? Simple, safe, secure. You can change it. Some of you are part of this family, haven't yet. We invite you in to do that. Others of us, man, we're just not in a position. Life is hard right now. The job, you don't have it, the money, it's not coming in, the bills are mounting. We wanna be family to you, and so let us know how we can help as well. So back to this letter. So I get this call, and my friend says, Mark, you're not gonna believe this. My daughter was looking for her keys in the car, and stuck between the seat and the console was this letter from your dad addressed to you, unopened. You wanna, I, I'm so sorry, but remember that was the summer you were gone for some time on a study week, study break, and, and I, just, I just feel really bad, but I'm, I'm guessing you want it. I go, yeah, I want it. June of 17, that's like three months before my dad died. That's my birthday month. That's probably my birthday card. So in my mind, I'm going, this is amazing. In the midst of COVID-19 pandemic, like my dad is sending me birthday money. But more importantly, as I opened it up, yeah, there wasn't just that Andrew Jackson, and I'm not spending it. My kids ask me, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm, I'm going to staple it to this card, and I'm never going to get rid of this card because the words are far more precious. And he just said this, man, I, I thank the Lord daily for you and your siblings. I got three sisters, so I, I shared that with them. They're balling. And then he goes on, he says, may this coming year bring you rich blessings in your ministry. So like he was praying for us, wishing God's best for us. And then, true to form, I, I love you, Fuddy. Words that he never said to me before I was the age of 20. My awesome dad. This dad who um, wasn't perfect, but one, many a time I thought, oh, I wish I could talk to my dad. You've had that, right? I mean, think about, is there, what would it be like to just bring someone back from the dead that you love that's been gone? Well, that's today's story. We're, we're talking about a dead man walking. Jesus' closest friend is raised from the dead. His name is Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, Jesus' closest friends. And it's this amazing story that demonstrates Jesus' power as the Son of God, that he is God. But his compassion as he weeps and enters into their sorrow, that he's, he's also fully man. But it's not just about that. It's a story that has everything to do with where we're at right now. Because in the midst of the story, at the very beginning, when Mary and Martha send a messenger to go find Jesus, who had left Jerusalem, gone the other side of the Jordan River, 
that Jesus gets the message and he says to his disciples who are gathered around, he says, you know, this, this sickness is not to death. And then it says, well, let me just read it for you. In John chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, we read these amazing words. He says this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He delayed. Like, that's where we're at right now. In this huge pause. This worldwide lockdown, shutdown. Rwanda. Anywhere in the world. Right here. Dane County. Wherever you're listening to me right now. And I don't know about you, but when Governor Evers said this, this safer at home order is going all the way out to May 26th, how I heard it was like 2026, like, ah, oh, six more weeks. My neighbor said, I, I felt like the walls were coming down. My other neighbor said, man, when I heard that, I just had to go take a walk. I get it. We get it. Like, we are longing for normalcy, whatever that's going to be, right? We want to go. We want to go to a Brewers game, right? We want to go out to eat. We want to enter into the spatial bubble, right? And hug someone and high-five someone like a grandchild, like an elderly parent. We, we don't want to have to postpone funerals. We want to get back to work. Right? All these things we long for. And the truth is, there's a bunch of stuff that have nothing to do with COVID-19, which means we're just even in a harder place because there's the waiting of COVID-19. And then there's the waiting that we've been doing, asking God to save this marriage. And it doesn't seem to be happening. Seems like it's too late. This relationship with a parent, with a child, who's walked away from the family, from the faith. And there's people who've been waiting. You've been waiting for this career to happen, this promotion. You've been waiting for this degree. You're running out of money. You don't know if you're ever going to finish this degree. You've been waiting to hold this child. You've been waiting to hold somebody else's hand. We've been waiting for a diagnosis, for a cure. We've been waiting for some financial turnaround here because the bills keep mounting and the debt keeps getting bigger. We've been waiting for justice to be served in our life, for injustice to be in the rearview mirror, for equity and grace to be extended to us instead of prejudice and slurs or longing. The psalmist said this in Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And so, in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, today's message is, when God delays, now what? Now what? And what we're going to see is God has a greater purpose. We're going to look at his delay, we're going to look at the purpose, and then how we're supposed to respond. But through it all, what we're going to see is, When God delays, his purpose is this, to grow our faith all to his glory. God's purpose is to give us faith, to start something, to grow something all to his honor. So, when God delays. So Jesus says, we're going to wait it out. We're not going to run back to Bethany. And then in verses 6 through 16, we, we read that Jesus tells his disciples that actually Lazarus has died. And he says in verse 14, I'm glad so that you believe. 
He says, so let's go back to Jerusalem. His disciples say, Jesus, you can't go back to Jerusalem. They just tried to kill you in Jerusalem. That's the story in chapter 10, right before chapter 11, where he claims to be the son of God. I and the father are one, chapter 10, verse 30, and they picked up stones to kill him. You can't go back to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you. He says, no, we're going back. So Thomas, in resignation, says, well, if you're going back, let's go with Jesus. Let's go die with Jesus in Jerusalem. So he makes it back to Jerusalem. From Jerusalem, there's this two-mile trek up the Mount of Olives. I've come down that. I know exactly where he walked. Beautiful, going through the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane. Up to the top of that hill is Bethany. That's where he's heading to his good friend's house, now a house of mourning. And as he gets closer to the, bri- to the crown of the hill, the-, the word comes back. The rabbi's coming. Jesus is coming. And so Martha bursts out of the house, and she goes to meet Jesus, and we read about her encounter with Jesus in verse 18. Luke 11, uh, John 11, verse 18. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask, whatever you pray for. The Father will give it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So let's just catch up with the if only, because it's going to come again when Jesus meets Martha's sister Mary. If only he'd been here, if only. And when God delays, that's like this automatic response. God, if only. If only you'd show up. If only you'd care. If only you weren't too busy. If only you'd stop punishing me. If only you'd break in to my world and the misery of my world and change things. If only expresses our disappointment with God, our discouragement with God, maybe our frustration, even anger with God. Where were you, Jesus, if you'd been here? We'd be having a party. But man, you even missed the funeral. Where were you? And Jesus says, well, just so you know, Martha, this isn't the end of the story. It's not over. If you think it's over with your brother, it's not over. He goes, your brother's going to rise again. Yeah, I know. In that future day at the end of time, when God raises up the dead, I get that. I believe that. Jesus says, no, I'm not talking about some power and future event. I'm talking about me right now. I'm not talking about I can give resurrection life. I'm saying that I am resurrection life. He's pointing to his deity, that he is God, the author of life, that he is stronger and more powerful than death. And in a word, he can spring someone like his dead friend Lazarus back from the tomb up to new life. I'm the resurrection and life. And if you believe in me, you're never going to die. Even though you die, you're going to live. And if you live believing me, you'll never die because you're going to live forever. And if you die, it's just a doorway into life and eternity with me forever in a place that is perfect. And so he invites her. He questions her. He asks her, do you believe? I believe. 
And here's Martha who we've picked on for her busyness and she didn't sit at Jesus' feet in that other story. She has this like momentous, this is like amazing profession of faith. Oh, I believe. I don't just believe this. I believe you, that you are the Messiah, the promised Savior, that you are the Son of God. I, I, I believe that you are the one who is to come into this world, our Savior. So this amazing first encounter with Martha, which is followed up in a completely different way with Mary. So with Martha, he's using words. With Mary, there are no words. He's shedding tears. And that, that's actually not a bad thing to remember when we come alongside those who are grieving. Sometimes the best thing to say is to not say anything. It's just to enter into their grief. So remember what the text said. Martha came down the hill to meet Jesus, but Mary stayed back at home. Oh man, she's miserable. She doesn't want to see Jesus right now. Who knows? We don't know, but she's really bummed out. Jesus! And when she comes with a, a crowd around her who are mourning with her, she falls to her knees and she says the exact same words as her sister. If only you had been here. If only you had come. My brother would not be dead, Jesus! And, and, and then we, we just see this profound, profound verse when it says, when Jesus, verse 33, saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now, when we hear that with our ears, we're going to go, yeah, he was deeply moved and his heart had all this empathy and compassion. But we're missing the translation here. It means he was moved to anger, not at Mary, not at her friends, but at death, at sin that caused death. And even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, there was anger over what the Bible calls our, our last enemy. And there was this unbelievable entering into the sorrow and grief and pain that was not just theirs, it was his pain. He was weeping over the loss of his friend that he knew in minutes would be walking and talking. What a savior, fully God, fully man. So the crowd's response is interesting, verse 37. But some of them said, Having just observed, wow, he really loved this guy. Others said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Like, what happened here? This is like his best friend. And so why did he delay? Well, the text tells us. You go back to verse 4 and you read this. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. Why did he delay? Why does he delay? Short answer that we don't fully understand, it's for his honor, for his glory. How is he going to be glorified in delaying? Well, the answer in the text is simple. He's going to raise him from the dead. And that is going to be awesome. And everybody's going to go, Jesus can raise the dead. He is the Son of God. And that's to his glory and the Father's glory who sent Jesus to conquer death. But there's another connection here. Because the second thing that we know about why Jesus delayed is what he said in verse 14. 
in verse 14, as he's heading back to Jerusalem, just about getting ready to leave, when his disciples said, don't go back, they're going to kill you, he says this in verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad. That's a surprise. I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Let us go to him. And he picks up on this whole thing of faith in the last section. So go back down to verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. So very similar to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea that he would be buried in in a week's time. He said, take away the stone. Martha, the one who said, I know you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who's come into this world to save us. I, I know that you can rise the dead at the end of the day, right? She says this, she says, but Lord, by this time, four days in, there is a bad odor, for he's been in there for four days. I love this. So encouraging. So she's got this like huge faith, believing God, believing that God would give him anything he prayed for. And then there they are at the grave, and he's about to raise her brother from the dead. And she's, she's saying, Jesus, don't do that, man. It's going to smell really bad. Don't do that. So what happens? Jesus says to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Here's the purpose, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, I love this, take off the grave clothes and let him go. That's how we glorify Jesus when he delays and our life and our life's dreams and our hopes and our ambitions and our struggles come to a stop and progress isn't being made. That we believe that he's God, that he's good, that he cares, that he's able, that though everything doesn't seem to be working out in our situation right now, we know he is working all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes, Romans 8, 28. We believe that. We believe that even though my feeling is telling me it's too late, there's no hope. I know that with Jesus, it's never too late. And there's always hope. I'm believing this in the middle of the story that there's a greater story that he is writing and that he wants to do a good work in my life to grow me, to trust him more and through that to show that he is trustworthy to a world that watches me in the midst of my struggle when I'm not just happy and successful but struggling and saying, but God is greater, but God is greater and I'm, and I'm trusting him. What? An awesome story for us in the middle of COVID-19 where God has hit the pause worldwide. And he says to us, will you believe me? Will you trust me? He says to us, I'm calling your name. 
I'm calling your name. I want to take the grave clothes off. All the stuff of your past that has separated from me, that has brought death and the stench of death into your life, into your relationships, and all kinds of regret and mountains of guilt. I want to wipe that all away and put new clothes and wrap you in my love and my mercy and my righteousness. And he says to us who've had that experience, will you set others free? By pointing him to Jesus, who can raise the dead, the physical dead, the spiritual dead, to new life. So Jesus is calling, and he knows your name. And when he went back into Jerusalem, it wasn't just for Lazarus. It was for you, friend. It was for you. He knew full well that the guys who had stones are the same guys that would make sure that the nails would be driven through his hands and through his feet as he hung suspended between heaven and earth, the perfect sacrifice for sin, died in our place that we might know God is our Savior. Have you responded? Have you responded? Oh, may God give us faith today. May God grow our faith in God today as we trust in him in the middle of the story. Let's pray. Father God, we confess that there are things in our life right now in the middle of our stories where it seems like you're not present, where we're believing lies, we're thinking the wrong things, we're coming to the wrong conclusion. So we just ask that you'd forgive us for thinking that you're petty and that you're punishing us, for become impatient with you or frustrated we just confess that, thinking that you don't care, that, that this, is, this is too big for you. Lord, you've just shown us if you can raise the dead, there isn't anything in our life that you can't address. And so forgive us for doubting that, for losing our sense of the big picture, Lord, and help us. Give us faith right now. Give faith to those who have come to the end of their rope and realizing that you are like no other world leader of any world religion, Lord. You're not helping us to find God, but you, you have come as God to find us through your son, Jesus Christ. And so help us to trust you, that you're good and that you care, that you're powerful, that your purposes are moving forward when our lives are stuck. Help us to trust you, Lord, even when we face the greatest enemy that we could ever face and will ever face, death, to remember that it's no match for you and it's only a doorway if we believe in you to life everlasting. And so, Lord, we pray for ourselves. We pray for our friends who are going through difficulty right now. We pray for our government leaders that you give them wisdom. We pray for those on the front lines that you protect them and deliver them from fear and you draw them to yourself. We pray for the sick that they would have the resurrection hope that this life is not all there is and that you have conquered death and you give us a way forward and hope for a better day. We pray for ourselves, Lord, that we would be a people who understand who you are and that we would be about every day helping set people free through your power, through your grace, through your love. We pray all this for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.